Hi, and welcome back to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. We know you're busy, and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may likely be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We've recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C dot com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E. Hello, today we are excited to have a special guest, Richard Flint. He has spent 32 years on the international speaking circuit, averaging 125 engagements a year. He's the author of 19 books. That's pretty amazing, Richard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) His podcast is Let's Talk Human Behavior. He's the founder of Richard Flint's Online Learning Center and the host of Richard Flint Live, a weekly Friday open mic Q&A experience. Welcome, Richard. We're excited to have you. Well, I am excited to be here with the two of you because you're in one of my favorite states, Montana. (laughs) (laughs) It is a pretty state, yes. And you're hailing all the way from Virginia, right? I am. This is where I am today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what counts, where we are today. And as we were talking before we turned on record, you were saying how much you really like to focus on human behavior and in the context of mentoring versus coaching. And maybe you can share a little bit with our listeners about that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm known around the world for one law that I live my life by. I have 19 laws that I live my life by. You sound I, like uh, Gibbs on NCIS. Although he has 91, <laughs> but you know, uh, you're, you know. I couldn't, I couldn't remember all of them <laughs> if I had that many. But the one that I'm known to, around the world for is just three words. Behavior never lies. Mm-hmm. That the essence of truth is not what someone says, it's what they do. And when you study human behavior, and when I look at a human life, the thing that I look for is the contradiction between what people say and what they do. 98% of all the confusion, the disappointment, the frustrations in life occur because of the conflict between what people say and what they do. And this is why behavior is so important, because we want to believe what people say. (laughs) and that what they're talking about, they're really going to do. Well, similar, we kind of talk about that from a similar thing, I think, because it's like 90% of communication is actually nonverbal and all sorts of clues. I mean, I work with horses, so, and they, why it's such a powerful way to work is because horses are always monitoring off of the behavior and off of the energetics or congruence or incongruence, not off of what somebody says. So the very thing, and that that's the way we are as people too, but because 90% of our language isn't in our words. It's coming yeah, from somewhere. And I agree with you totally. I do a, a program, took me five years to write, entitled A Day at the Zoo. <laughs> compared to a study of 18 animals and their personalities to people you have to work with. Oh, that's, yeah. and, that's great. And that learning that the, the person is what you see. The personality is what you experience. Mm. And I just last week finished doing it. I do a lot of small group retreats and we had 18 people that went through the zoo with me. And <laughs> one, of the, one of the animals we look at is the elephant, elephant. which is a very nonverbal communicator. Mm-hmm. And it creates a tremendous amount of confusion for people mm-hmm. because I can read what you do 
and hear what you say, but the contradiction keeps me from really listening to you. Mm, Because when there is contradiction between what someone says and what they do, at some point, the confusion takes over the whole interaction. And you're exactly right. The majority of the confusion in life Mm -hmm. goes back to not only communication, but the presentation style. Well, yeah. I think of it like the internal versus the external. We think we live on, you know, outside, but so much of actually what's getting to the outside has to do with what's going on in the inside. And unless we're really congruent and consistent with that and have some awareness of it, that gets mucked up all the time. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I try to help people understand that we either live from our emotions up or our mind down. Mm-hmm. And most of our emotions are created by what's going on around our life. Mm-hmm. And if I'm communicating from my emotions up, many times I am the one that's out of control as I'm trying to communicate with somebody else. Mm-hmm. But if I live from my mind down, then I've put thought into what I'm about to say. I learned this a long time ago when I was living in the world of doing private counseling. And that is that people who live from their emotions up really don't filter mm-hmm. what they're saying because they don't listen to what they're saying. Now, you and I, we might have a little bit of a disagreement about that. That's sort of it's an okay. You have the you have the chance to be wrong. well i well what i agree with i love the way you describe that emotions up or mind down what i think is that what lies in the middle of all that is your heart which is actually not the mind nor the emotion and if you pay more attention to which one do you do and do you are you aware of both because i don't actually think that, that's, I think, where most people, they don't get the connection between, and actually it's our breath that gives us the connection between our emotions and our mind. And when used together, they work well. But when used separately, both can be. If you're just working from your head and you don't pay attention to all the rest of it, that can mess you up too. So it could go either way. What do you think about that, Richard? Yeah. Well, I, I understand what you're saying, but what I find is it's the type of emotions that I'm dealing with that determine whether I involve my heart or not. Mm -hmm. When my emotions are negative, like I'm angry, I don't involve my heart. But if my mind and my emotions are connected into what I want to achieve, then my heart gets involved. Well, wouldn't you think though, so we'll we'll keep playing with this one just to see where it goes, because I haven't decided you're wrong yet. I'm still entertaining (laughs) the notion that this is, because I like what you said. I agree. It's kind of like, yeah, I mean, really, you know, anger is a great one. You know, if I can actually engage my head and my heart in my anger, like not make it wrong, but actually expand and have a relationship with it, my heart gets involved. And then I don't have to project it out like a, you know, something that's being rejected from me. I'm dealing with this innate energy that could be useful in terms of what's important to me and what I want so that I can then apply my mind to how is that how are we going to get create this or and what move boundary? forward and be relational in the world does that make sense but, yeah but a big part of it def- is defined by my intent mm-hmm. what sure. is my intent mm-hmm. and yeah if my intent is filtered through anger and many times filtered through disappointment mm-hmm. because you know i think that probably 95 percent of the frustrations that people have in their life are the result of disappointment. Mm -hmm. And disappointment 
if it's not dealt with, creates anger. Mm -hmm. And when I'm living from the emotion of anger up, I'm not going to listen to what my mind is telling me because what's my agenda here? Is my agenda to resolve this or is my agenda to attack? And if I'm attacking, my heart's not involved in this because I want to inflict pain. I do agree that if you're, I would probably say, you know, where I agree with you is if it's disconnected, any aspect of it is disconnected. Where when we're in the that version of reaction, I think we're actually disconnected from some aspect of our resources. The minute we can actually begin to utilize that together, which I think is what you're saying, kind of become more aware. Don't just operate from my anger. Don't, you know, take, pay attention to it because likely it's some previous disappointment, I think is what you're saying, that might be driving why that anger has now taken on, you know, is driving the bus, so to speak, <laughs> versus, okay, you got more resources than just being angry. So what is the intent? What is, you know, what's the intent even in the anger? Why is it yeah. there? Because most people, when it comes to frustrations, they don't deal with their frustrations. They collect them. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. It becomes like, that's yeah. great. And yeah. I think we all live with an internal garbage can inside of us. Mm-hmm. And we collect into that garbage can. Yeah, and sure. then pretty somewhere along the way, because we don't have a trash compactor, <laughs> that garbage can lid flies off. Right. And sure. when, it fly, when it flies off, I don't want you to talk. I just want you to listen to what I'm saying. But here's the challenge in that. When I'm attacking, people don't listen. They hear. And hearing puts me on the defensive, where listening opens up a pathway for us to move toward resolution. Most anger is not looking for resolution. Well, I now I to a point, I agree with you. But I actually think anger is, is actually a very healthy thing to have. And if you don't understand it, it's like a Chinese element of wood. It is actually the spring of life. It gives you reason and pause to notice. But if you actually just project it, you've missed the opportunity. And so the op- anger is simply a way of saying something has interrupted where my, my space here, that anger is a good sign that, hey, I should, I should pay attention to this. Not make myself right about it, but pay attention because there's information there. And that would drive, maybe I need to have a crucial conversation about where my boundary has been crossed. What do I need? Instead of collecting the frustration in the garbage can, (laughs) stuffing down, and then later blowing up at you because I'm so mad because I haven't actually taken care of that boundary violation. Yeah, and again, I I come back to the aspect of what's the intent of my anger? Is my anger here to attack and criticize or is my anger here because I want to confront and resolve? Mm-hmm. Sure, that yeah. makes sense. Or like I, I know for me, as someone who gets angry sometimes, I've really learned nine times out of ten, what I want is connection. It's like I, because it's been broken, you know, something's happened that seems, and if I recognize that, you're, I totally agree with you. My intent becomes very different. Actually, because the action that I'm doing seems like, the last thing I look like I want is connection. <laughs> so it's like, all right, but I know myself well enough to know, oh, this anger is letting me know that I am interpreting a disconnect here. So if I really want connection, what am I going to do? So I think that's where getting the to intention. that intention becomes really important. Well, you know, anger 
begins and it grows. When anger loses the healthiness is when I stop looking for resolution and start using this as criticism. And there is a 3C process that I use with people or I I work to help people understand how do you control the anger before it becomes damaging? And it comes back to the communication process. Mm. And my conversation would go like this. I have a concern that I need to address with you. Okay. It's my concern, not yours. Mm -hmm. So it's a singular pronoun. I'm not attacking you. And then the second C Here's what is causing my anger or my challenge or whatever. Again, it's a singular pronoun because I am the one who's feeling this. I am the one who is sharing this. And then the third C and the power in this is that the pronoun now changes to plural. And that is what can we do to correct this? So concern, what's causing and what can we do to correct it? Yeah, because now what I'm doing, I'm inviting you to help me resolve what I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think that's creating a bridge, taking ownership of what's going on with you, bringing it forward so you're dealing with the boundary violation or the upset. And what are we going to do? And then how are we going to do this together? How can we do this? I love that. It's terrific. Yeah. I I I like that, you know, correct or collaborate. I love your C's. That's kind of a good, you know, kind of a, you know, bringing it into the... Well, I like that you can see my C's. <laughs> see your C's. Hey, I, I, you know, you go, you were talking about the zoo, you know, and I wanted to know what animal are you and why? Everybody's four. Oh, four okay. animals. Okay. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has four distinct personalities. One of them is your foundational personality. Okay. And that's who you are the majority of time. And as long as you're in that personality... I can understand you. It's when you slip out of that, that it becomes confusing. And so my first four personalities is number one, I'm a two hump camel. Two hump hump camel. Wow. Because I'm, I'm enduring. A two hump camel is known for its endurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm also a giraffe because I see beyond the normal. Mm. That long neck. (laughs) I'm a deer. Because I'm very ethical. A deer is very elegant in design. Mm -hmm. And then my predominant personality is a bear. Because a bear is a loner. It's the most confident personality you'll ever be around. And it lives from the inside out. Mm. And because it has a strong foundation of belief, trust, and faith in itself. So everything it touches, it brings insight to. Mm -hmm. I love it. And those are my four. And how do, so the, the bear is your foundational one. What are the mm-hmm. other aspects? Like the other well, three? The bear being, because I have a strong foundation of belief, trust, and faith, mm-hmm. then with the two hump camel, that gives me my endurance because every day I trust myself. I believe in me. And, you know, there's only two foundations in life that a human can stand on. And if you can think of a third one, I'd be open to it. But <laughs> in all my years, I haven't found it. There's the foundation of belief, trust, and faith, and the foundation of doubt, worry, and uncertainty. Ah, Yes. Mm -hmm. And my challenge today is, I think our world, not our world, but our society is being pushed toward doubt, worry, and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm living from doubt, worry, and uncertainty, I'm living from the outside in. And when I do that, then I'm controllable. You can manipulate me. 
Mm-hmm. You can take control of my life. And the biggest way that's being done today is through fear. Yeah, right. Every t- Everywhere you look today, the message, the majority of the messages are through the emotion of fear. Mm-hmm. I do and, think that works. I, you know, we definitely respond to fear. We're fear first. Like, what do I need to do to create safety? And so I think that, and it is, I'm putting my, my locus of control outside of myself, making me very, you know, looking for approval or safety in you or in Susan, whatever it is, versus kind of checking inside and coming back to the belief, trust, and faith. Yeah. And, you know, from the day the three of us were born to the day we die, we will live with six fears that we wrestle with throughout our life. The fear of the unknown, which is huge today. I mean, the uncertainty that is being created today has increased fear. There's the fear of abandonment, the fear of being left alone by myself, There's the fear of rejection, where I won't be liked. The fear of failure, where I feel like that I just can't do it. And then the fear of loss, which is the price tag. Everything you and I want to do with our life, there's a price tag to it. So we only go as far as we are willing to pay the price. And then the sixth one is the number one that deals with young people today that I'm seeing. And that's the fear of success. Because we don't know what success is. We think success is giving me what I need. And success is not living a life where every day I put one foot in front of the other to improve my life. It's interesting, you know, as I was was listening to you, I I was also going back to thinking about, you know, we have a guest that has been on who talks about this a lot from the aspect of resilience and having looked at we look at human behavior, but in, in the concept of resilience, they did a lot of studies after 9-11 about what are the species on the planet that have survived. And really our human behavior, which is often driven by our neocortex, which is the probably the youngest, part, the of youngest part of any living organism on the planet. And we think that's, that's kind of the best gift, but the reality of the, the species and what has survived the longest on this planet are incredible systems that have actually been able to interrelate. There's a whole series of things that are really signs of resilience, longevity, sustainability, that all have to do much more with how we are connected and how there's an interconnection on this planet than just what we think in our brain. It's that whole idea of how to put, how to take that beautiful neocortex and connect it to what's actually the intelligence that's been there all along. And I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, yeah, this could be, if we could get kind of your, what you're talking about in terms of the human behavior and actually recognize it as a part of a whole systemic planet that has had life on it forever, of which we have a huge, we are connected to it already, whether we like to recognize it or not. We're not necessarily, but we're not the smartest. You know, we're not the, you know, we're actually just a part. And the idea of success has a lot to do with that. Like, is success material about gain or is success about how do I get up every day and better my life, better my Mm -hmm. life and stay in it in this world? And our brains so often make things right or wrong versus, okay, I'm here now. Yeah. And now what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think resilience in my life is the second most beautiful word in language. (laughs) first word is love, Mm -hmm. but the second is resilience. And resilience is a byproduct 
of my belief, my trust, and my faith in myself. Mm-hmm. Because it says, you can pull the rug out from under me, mm-hmm. but I'll get right back up and put the rug back. Mm-hmm. Or, but yeah. I'll get a new rug, it sounds like. <laughs> like you'll redesign it. Pull the, <laughs> weave together what is, is I think what you're talking about, because that's the resilience. I think sometimes we want to put the old carpet back, but we actually need to, okay, what am I going to weave the carpet out of now? Is that and that that's the difference between beginning anew and new beginnings. Mm-hmm. That life is about beginning anew. Mm-hmm. But every time life gives us a challenge, it opens up another chapter in our life. Yes. But if all I'm doing is beginning anew, it's I see this in people who write goals. They just keep writing the same goals over and over. <laughs> and I think that most people who write goals, they write it from uh, an illusion rather than a fact of what they want for their life. We do so many things because we are, have been taught that's what we need to do. Right. And when we do that, we shut down our individuality. I mean, in my life, the number one law of my life is really simple. Why spend my energy being a carbon copy when I'm the original? <laughs> I like that. And I live my life every day from the inside out. Now, in order to achieve that, you've got to have enough belief, trust, and faith in yourself that you're okay not having your life crowded with people. And I I tell people, the more you want to do with your life, the fewer people you can have in your life. Say more about that, Richard. Why do you mean, what do you mean about that? Well, if you want to know what you really feel about yourself, I think you take the five closest people to your life that you're not related to, Mm -hmm. and you look at their behavior because they're you. And are these the people you want to pattern your life out of? Right. I mean, my philosophy of life is this. Never keep anyone in your life who's not part of your fan club. (laughs) Absolutely. I like that. (laughs) Because we don't need critics. We're tough enough on ourselves. Right. And the more you want to do with your life, the more you you learn how important it is Mm -hmm. to study your life from the inside out. Yeah. There are two, two sets of filing cabinets in our life. One set of filing cabinets has all these files of all of our disappointments, all of our perceived failures, everything that's went wrong in our life. And if I keep going there and pulling the drawer open, then what am I doing? I'm reprogramming myself that this is who I am. Or I've got another file set of file cabinets over here of all of my successes and the things that I'm proud of in my life. And I become whichever one of those file cabinets I use to define my life. I agree. My thought is this, that yesterday is a reference library, not a room to live in. <laughs> true, true. And we've, we've all met people who have chosen to live in yesterday. How do they do that? They take all these files out that are all their disappointments, their anger, their frustrations, their disappointments, and they keep reading the files. Yeah. Okay, Richard. So you also, before we got on, you were talking about that the way you work and how people, and we'd love to know how people can find you, but you talk about mentoring. Can you say a little bit about that and how people can find you? Well, I'm, I'm easy to find. It's just richardflint.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, my website is there and it contains a lot of the things that we do. And my world right now is being redefined in how I work. I used to do a tremendous amount of large conferences but I'm working now on small group retreats so that I can take the depth of my knowledge and really get inside of people. Too much of our information today is creating a moment in a person's life, not a curiosity that continues after the information is given them. 
So I'm into challenging the curiosity part of people. And if anyone has a question for me, I'm again, real simple, Richard at richardflint.com. Excellent. They, I love yeah, that. They just need to know it takes me two or three days sometimes to get back. I mean, I've answered 130 emails today. So wow. You're- but I'm, I'm different than probably the two of you. I'm up by three every morning. Oh my goodness. Why so early? <laughs> I just don't need a lot of sleep. I'm up at three. I generally go to bed around 11. Wow. And I just don't require a lot of sleep. And for me, the reason for me is my passion for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And when you're passionate about life, your body recharges quickly because it can't wait for the next point of discovery. Now, I have to say, though, that probably depends on what zoo animal you are, really. Because there are <laughs> animals that do well with sleep. But I hear you. But based on the ones you are, that makes sense. Although that bear might need a little hibernation every once in a while. <laughs> but hibernation is balance. The yeah. thing I like about the bear is it knows when to be serious and when to be playful. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And yeah. our world today, a lot of the people that I deal with today have lost their sense of balance because their life is upside down. That which they've used to define their life today has been shaken. And you used the term a couple of minutes ago because I think most people are seeking two things in life. Stability, hmm. which I think is being rocked today. Mm-hmm. For sure. And safety. And I think the safe world that a lot of people have lived in, again, has been ripped apart. And I'm going to go back to your word. That's a test of their resilience. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's whether you can live in the uncertainty without having to make it certain again. So, you know, how do you do that? Not trying to go back to what was, but like build it anew or, you know. Yeah, beginning, you know, beginning anew. Yes, I like that. And I think that when you have that foundation of belief, trust, and faith, you turn the unknown into adventure. I love that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because the more I believe in me, the more opportunity I seek. Mm-hmm. And in, embedded in every opportunity is a risk. Yes, that's so true. That's very true. So it's like vulnerability. It's really about, yeah. am I willing to go out in the world and expose myself to danger? Take a risk, not just live with certainty. So we also talk about fear and excitement and how fear is tightening and excitement is opening. Same energy, just whether we're fighting it or opening. Fear. Do we have a moment I could share with your listeners my four questions that give you the clarity to live? Sure. Sure. I think there are four questions and I, every, every mentoring student I work with, this is how we begin. What do you really want for your life? Not what do you want? That's vague. What do you really want? And that narrows the focus. And then the second question is, why do you really want this? What's the purpose? Mm -hmm. And then the third question is, what price are you willing to pay to have it? Mm, That's a good question. (laughs) Because there's a price tag. I mean, to what y'all do with your life, there's a price tag to it. And we only go as far as we're willing to pay the price. And then the fourth question is the glue that makes it possible. What behaviors will you need to improve to achieve it? Mm-hmm. I love it. Right. As the human behavior man, that yes. makes perfect sense. Oh, well, this has been great, Richard. We really appreciate it. You have tons to offer people. Yes. So if you, listeners, please reach out to Richard Flint, Richard at richardflint.com because he's going to answer your email. <laughs> yeah, we do every morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time, every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time, we do an open mic. Oh, you call and, and ask you we, questions. Yeah. Well, we have a question for the, for the week. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and then we, I do a little opening and then we open the mics. And like our question for tomorrow is, what are the three most important things you value in your life? I love it. And then you hear from people. Yeah. And remember, we open the mics. If you're listening the to mic, this, that may not be the question for the Friday that you're listening to it, but right. he will have one on Friday. So <laughs> go find it at Richard. So Flint. it's 10 a.m. Eastern time. And all you do is go to richardflint.com backslash discussion to register. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, thank, thank you, you, Richard. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you all for letting me do this. I thrive on conversations like oh, this. Oh, thrive. I love how you got that. Thrive. <laughs> Thriving.com. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining us. We hope you found today's episode valuable. If you want to take some of what you've learned on today's episode to the next level, check out our new step-by-step, easy-to-use team kit to get your team from avoiding conflict to discovering the beauty in conflict. Go to www.thriveinc.com forward slash team kit to learn more. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash T-E-A-M-K-I-T.